Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Would you turn with me in your Bibles, please? I want to take a few moments here to gather around some scriptures. I'm going to ask you to go to John chapter 3. John chapter 3 and verse 6. We're going to start in just a moment. God has been doing something in our midst, fresh. That's been our prayer, Lord. Yesterday is gone, sweet Jesus. Tomorrow has not yet come. Today, today is a brand new day. And welcome, Holy Spirit. And so I have been just encouraging as we talk about, God, we need a move of your spirit in our personal lives. Forget, forget around it. God, I need a move of your spirit. I need revival. Our church needs revival. Lord, we are not seeing the things that you did in the book of Acts right now. Oh God, revive your church. And that comes on the heels of hunger and thirsting for righteousness. Matthew chapter 5 verse 6 says, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, fill it, fill, fill, what's the rest of it? Okay, let's do that again. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. If you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you shall be filled. The fulfillment, the filling, is on the heels of hungering and thirst for his righteousness. If I don't truly hunger and thirst for righteousness, in other words, if I let other things satisfy me, then he won't be satisfying. So, Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity. A couple of weeks ago, I talked of Holy Spirit. We often don't talk. We sing about him sometimes. But we don't talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. And yes, there's, an, there's mystery to it because the triune God is something that we don't have anything on this planet that I'm aware of that relates to that. However, that doesn't diminish who he is and his interaction in our hearts and in our lives. Just as I would say, go and turn on the light, the word spoken, command given, and then someone would turn the light switch on, and then it would require electricity to light up the bulbs. There's three-part action involved, and we know the Father in Genesis 1, in Genesis 1, that... The world was without form. And it says the Holy Spirit was hovering, waiting for the word. And then you have, and he spoke, spirit brought to peace, brought to pass. Everything was spoken. He spoke, he spoke. And then he came to Genesis where he, on a clump of mud formed by his hands, God breathed and the Holy Spirit brought soul, spirit to the life of man. And the Spirit does the same. He is is the activity of our Father. Christ has brought it. He's bridged the gap so it might happen. But who is Holy Spirit? So two weeks ago, we used that, that benediction scripture where it says in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. It's a great little scripture there. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, what he provided was grace by his 
grace, we are brought back to the Father. And then it says, in the love of God, he loves us that he has forgiven us of our sins. But here's the third part. The fellowship, note the word fellowship, or another translation says the communion. Communion together. Fellowship of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? What does it mean to fellowship with Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit carries the voice of the Father. The Holy Spirit is a person. It's not an it. It's not a thing. So don't refer to him as an it. I want it. And don't ask it to fulfill you. It doesn't work that way. He is God. The Spirit of the Lord. And therefore I surrender to him. So it's okay to refer to him as Holy Spirit. And it is totally okay. And I invite you to begin to do this with sincerity every day. Welcome, Holy Spirit, into every part of my life today. It's okay. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I invite you to guide and direct me today. Holy Spirit, comfort me. Counsel me. Holy Spirit, lead me. Holy Spirit, I know you... Keep step with me. Help me to keep step with you. Holy Spirit, guide me in all things. Right? It's okay to say that. You don't pray to the Holy Spirit. You pray to the Father through Jesus. But it's okay to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And so as I would fellowship with you, if we sat down, had a coffee together, we would have fellowship. I'm not asking anything of you. I'm fellowshipping with you. Holy Spirit, I desire fellowship with you. So it's, we nurture this fellowship relationship with Holy Spirit. So may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And then we came to the place where before we knew Christ as Lord, before we surrendered our life to His Lordship, before we became, the Bible says, born again, born of his spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit in our life consisted of two primary things that he, he was drawing us to himself. I'm going to talk about this in just a moment. And he was testifying of Jesus. And so in that, as believers, we are, as believers, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Three things will happen before Christ. We resisted him. We resisted him. People are still resisting him today. You might be here, and if you're not a follower of Jesus, chances are you've been resisting him. Resisting. Bible talks about resisting. But then, as followers of Christ, we can still, there's two more words used to describe in the New Testament, we can grieve him, meaning that he's, he's guiding and counseling us, but we're not listening. We're going another direction. We're grieving him. He can be grieved. And secondly, we can quench him. Meaning he's, he's pouring fire, but we're throwing water on it. We're quenching with something else. He's trying to light something up, and we're smothering it. We're quenching. Don't, and Paul says, don't quench the Holy Spirit. Don't quench what he's doing in your life. So today I want to take you to John chapter 3, verse 6. Let me read it. If you have it there in front of you. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Verse 8. The wind, often the word used for the pneuma, the, the breath of the Spirit. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. Isn't that true? 
So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. You won't see it with your eyes. You can't tell. You can't tell. You can't predict a lot of the things. The Spirit will lead into things that are outside our minds. I come back to verse 6. Flesh gives birth to flesh. But the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. I want to talk today about how that works. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Okay, that makes sense. We live in the flesh. We live in the carnal nature. That simply births more carnal nature. But how does the Spirit, what happens when we are born again? How does the Spirit birth something in us? So this is totally a topical sermon. If you're looking for exegetical this morning, uh, you can't find one, two, three, four verses back to back that will describe this. What I am doing here, I'm, I'm going through the Old Testament and then I'm going into the New Testament. The Old is describing something, the New is describing how it was fulfilled in the Spirit. So this is topical because what we're trying to answer the question, the question is, how does the Spirit give birth to Spirit? That's the question. The answer is we got to search the Scriptures, and when together, I think there's going to be a, a satisfying answer for us. So the title today is, How the Holy Spirit Transforms Us. Father in heaven, we will not understand this if you don't reveal it. We know that. It can't be grasped by flesh. Flesh gives birth to flesh. So by your spirit, would you help us to see this? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, the Holy Spirit works in the life of a sinner through two fundamental ways. A person who's unregenerate, a person who's not a follower of Jesus. Here's how the Holy... First of all, the Holy Spirit convicts of our sins. Before you surrender your life to Christ, you would not have surrendered your life to Christ if he didn't already convict you. He was already at work in you. That was, his, that was him. You didn't come up with that yourself. Holy Spirit was drawing you, showing you that there's something amiss. Holy Spirit was convicting you. You know, you don't have to have the full gospel preached to you to know that you need something. Because Solomon would say, in the heart of every man, eternity has been placed. There's a sense that we are beyond this world. Now, some deny it. Some in atheism or agnosticism believe that the end is death. But if they're being true to a sense, God has in all of us put eternity in our hearts. There's a sense there's more. There's a sense that there is more to this life. That's why we seek psychics. It's why we seek, you know experiences and, and even in places where they've not had teaching of God or certainly the God of the Bible, they will seek to worship trees. Or the other day when a week ago we were in Cuba, we came out of this church and it was dark and this community was, actually the community had been in a blackout. So it was really dark. And we were moving some, some supplies and, and I went around to the front of the van and I stood there and I was mesmerized. The stars, I haven't seen them like that in years. They've always been doing, but I hadn't seen in the darkness the amazement of the stars. I just stood there. I was, I, you know, some of my team was wondering, where'd he go? And I was lost. And I just, because they were so bright, not simply above, but right down to the horizon. They were so right down to the horizon. They were as bright there as they were there. And I was looking around, 
And I was beside myself. Like, I've just been planning to say this. So great was it. I went back and I said, Lori, I pulled her away. I said, you got to see this as if we had never seen it before. And I went, we went around to the front of the vehicle. And we stood there. We just, look at it. Look at it. Isn't that amazing? No wonder people around the world and for centuries have looked up and said, there's something more than this right here. What's happening? The Holy Spirit is convicting. You need something. You need something. You know there's a failure. You know there's a falling short. You know that inside, there's bad in there. What's, what's that? The Holy Spirit's convicting. He's convicting. The second thing the Holy Spirit does before you come to Christ is he testifies of Jesus. Now, there are places where they've not had somebody come and say, you need to surrender your life to J-E-S-U-S. They've not said that. But he testifies that there is a God... And that's why in the prayer of the early apostles, they said, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Why? So they will testify of Jesus. His word testifies of Jesus. Creation, Paul says, creation testifies of Jesus. Solomon would say even our own hearts testify. There is a Savior. There's something that we can turn to. We may not know who he is. And the early apostles in Acts chapter 5, when they were being persecuted, and they were told, stop talking in that name and they said but we can't we can't stop talking here's exactly what they we can't stop talking about what we've seen and what we've heard we know him what's happening holy spirit is testifying about jesus every one of us here are followers of jesus we're testifying of jesus we need to be testifying of jesus in our conduct in our words in our actions in our example testifying of jesus so that's what the Holy Spirit, two things. First, if he convicts you of sin, oh, praise God, he doesn't stop there because we would be a wretched people if it stopped. He testifies there's a redeemer, there's a deliverer, there's Jesus, hallelujah, there's a Christ. But what about us believers? Here's where we go today. What about us believers? Romans chapter 12, verse 2. The first part, it says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, Pattern's been laid out. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind or the renewing of your soul. But let Holy Spirit bring a transformation. Holy Spirit doesn't want to make you a better you. Just telling you. Because a better you is not enough. The Holy Spirit wants to transform you. That's why he said you need to be born again. You need to kind of like start over. So you just don't get a little better. You just don't knock off the rough edges. That's none of. You need a rebirthing, a transformation. Have you ever seen the Transformer movies? Right? They go from, you know, this car into this massive robot. That's a transformation. It's not just a nicer car, it's like a full transformation. God doesn't just want to tweak you, He wants to renew you transform you praise God because just tweaking you into a bigger you isn't going to work he transforms us so what does it look like I'm going to share a number of things of how he transforms us in our daily walk again topic I'm going to go through a number of scripture here's they are uh, there was a QR code you can get that maybe they'll throw that up later QR code if you want the notes if you want the scriptures just take your phones click on it you can download that and you can have all this for you First of all, he will, he, Holy Spirit, will turn your deserts into fruitfulness. 
Oh, I like this one. Isaiah chapter 32, verse 15. The Spirit will be poured upon us from on high, and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field, and the fruitful field is counted as a forest. Anybody here ever actually been in a literal desert? How many have been in a desert? Okay, some of you been in a desert. Most of us, the desert maybe be southern U.S., you know, Texas, Arizona, wherever, southern California. Maybe that was the desert. There's other deserts, of course. So what did you experience in the desert? What, what's in a desert? Go ahead. You can talk to me a little bit if you want to. What's in a desert? Okay, it's barren. But what's in it? What did you find in your desert? Cactus, tumbleweed, rocks, lots of rocks, um, certain kind of growth that doesn't require hardly any moisture. Did you find any waterfalls in the desert? Did you find any lavish rivers flowing through their desert? Did you find masses of oasis in the desert? Typically deserts are rock, cactus, or anything related to that, a lot of tumbleweed, a lot of those little bushes, and things that I don't want to meet in the dark. Snakes tend to survive in the desert. Some do. Scorpions can survive often in desert. Um, spiders can often survive. Like things I just don't want to see, really, honestly. I met one of them last week in Cuba. Mm-mm. It was either it or me is going to live. And I'm here, so you can see which one lived. But in the desert, in the desert, um, it's barren. It's barren. It says, but the Spirit of the Lord can change the landscape because sometimes our lives feel that. Nothing's growing. And just ugly, creepy, crawly things. But the Spirit of the Lord, read that. The Spirit... Isaiah 32, the Spirit of the Lord would be poured upon us from on high, and the wilderness becomes, as he's poured out, picture the rain. You think of pouring? Rain, as the rain pours out, becomes, becomes, it wasn't first, becomes from barrenness to fruitfulness, from barrenness to fruitfulness. Anybody here been in a botanical garden? How many has been, you visited a botanical garden? Some of you? Okay. Uh, I enjoy botanical gardens. Um, one of the most amazing gardens I think there is natural is the Bouchard Gardens, uh, just north of Victoria. Maybe some have visited that. Beautiful gardens. It used to be a lake. And so you go down into it, and you can see the walls of the, the cavern. It used to be a lake. And, and there's, there's water that flows. There's ponds in there and lush, lush vegetation. And then, like it rains pretty well every day in that beautiful Bouchard Gardens in BC. What a contrast. Barrenness to fruitfulness. Let me read it again. Isaiah 32, 15. The Spirit will be poured, rain upon us from on high, and the wilderness becomes fruitful field. A fruitful field. The Holy Spirit works on the soil and brings fruitfulness. So what does, how does He transform you? He takes barrenness and turns it into fruitfulness. Beautiful fruitfulness. Not only just fruitfulness... But note what it says, that the fruitful field is counted as a forest. We're not talking a little fruit. We're talking a whole forest of fruit. He turns barrenness into a forest of fruit. He transforms. I think that's all pretty good. Therefore, Holy Spirit will turn your desert into a lavish forest of fruitfulness. 
Secondly, what, how does Holy Spirit transform us? Well, the Holy Spirit will enable you to walk closely with God. He enables you to do that. I can't get there, but Holy Spirit enables. Maybe you face moments of great decision. You have to make a decision. And if you've entrusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you should absolutely expect He will give you direction. You should expect to be sensitive to that. After all, Romans chapter 8 says that those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, led by the Spirit of God. And therein He leads us. We don't lead Him. He leads us. So we're looking for Him. David would say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He what? Leads me into the paths. Holy Spirit, show me. Lead me today. Welcome, Holy Spirit. But I need you to lead me today. I need you to lead me this morning. I need you to lead me in the decisions in my work. I need you to lead me in the relationships today. Lead me, Holy Spirit. And he will often whisper. Sometimes it's in power. It's an inner feeling. It's a prompting. It's a nudge that you begin to recognize. And you don't just dismiss. Earlier we were reading where in our text... It talked about where the Holy Spirit in John 3, it says, flesh gives birth to flesh, flesh, and in my flesh we have our five senses, our sight, and smell, and touch, and hearing, uh, our five senses. But in the Spirit, he begins to rebirth something in the Spirit, and this is what we're talking about. He begins to rebirth in our five senses something outside the flesh. So, for instance, and the Bible talks about this. This is fascinating to me. This is after our new birth. He begins to change our taste, not only just from the tongue, you know, taste. Psalms 34, he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, he's not referring to your tongue. How do you taste the Lord? His spirit begins to All of a sudden, you begin to taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalms 119 says, How sweet are your words to my what? Taste. It's not the flesh. So we're sensing something. He's transforming into the Spirit a sweetness of His Spirit. Touch. What does He do with our touch? Exodus chapter 10, 21 it says darkness which can even be felt. Now, again, not with the flash. You can't feel it. Has anybody here ever been in deep into a cave? I think that's one of the best experiences. I remember the first time it ever happened to Lori and myself. We were coming back, northern U.S. We were in the Dakotas, and we stopped. We thought we'd do this excursion down this cave. We went 250 feet down into this cave, and... Then they turned off all the lights. And it was the first time, I think, in my life where I could feel darkness. And I don't mean evil. I mean just creepy darkness. My eyes couldn't adjust to anything. I mean, the lights were off for maybe five minutes, and then people started freaking out, and they turned them back on. But it was so you can feel something. And that's what is being mentioned in Exodus. Darkness, which can be felt. But Mark chapter 5 says... Speaking of the woman who had the issue of blood and came up and touched Jesus. This was bleeding. She touched Jesus. And then it says that after she touched Jesus, immediately it says she felt in her body. She felt in her body. Now, she didn't know. She had no physical evidence of the bleeding had stopped. She simply felt 
something. What was that? She felt the Spirit. Felt the Spirit. Smell. Genesis chapter 8. says, the Lord smelt a soothing aroma. What was happening? A sacrifice, a acceptable sacrifice had been made. And it says, the Lord smelt a soothing aroma. He didn't smell the smoke like you do at a campfire. That's not what he's talking about. It was an acceptable sacrifice. You have in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, we are the aroma of Christ. Not something you smell with your nose physically. We are the aroma. We are the sense of smell. Beautiful perfume of Christ. When the believer on the Spirit connects with the world, there's something about them. They come back and there's something different about you. And there's an attraction to that aroma, just as you're attracted to something that smells really good. Or you are, you know, you convulse at something that smells nasty. We see Ephesians 11 says, talks of the eyes of our understanding being enlightened. Now, it's not those two balls in your head. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. 38 times on the island of Patmos, the beloved John saw something in the spirit. Not with his two balls in his eyes, in his head. He saw something in the spirit. And hearing. 1 Kings 3 mentions the hearing heart. Your heart can hear. It has strange ears. Your heart can hear. Revelation chapter 2. He, Jesus says, he who has an ear to hear, listen to what the Spirit says. Now, you're not going to get it with these things, flappers on the side of your head. You're going to get it somewhere deeper inside. I hear the Spirit. Spirit is speaking. So we come back to this point here. The Holy Spirit will enable you to walk closely with God. He transforms your senses, picking up something of the Spirit. Thirdly, you will know God's presence through Holy Spirit. One of the great comforting passages in Scripture, I find, is in Ezekiel 39, where Father God says in verse 29, I will no longer hide my face from them, for I will pour out my Spirit on the house of Israel. When it appears God is distant and your prayers seem only as words bouncing off the ceiling, Holy Spirit causes the presence of the Father to become a reality in your life. And as a result, you feel something, you feel His closeness. I felt His closeness when I was worshiping this morning. I felt His closeness when we had some prayer time earlier today. I felt His closeness when I was just, when I got up this morning and I just had a moment by myself with the Lord, welcome Holy Spirit. And I began to just, I, I couldn't see it and I don't want to make it bigger than it is, but in some ways in my spirit sensed his closeness. I welcomed him. Make myself available to be part of what you want to do in my heart today, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit causes his presence of the Father to become a reality in our lives. He wants to be close to you. You got to get, sometimes people are afraid of God. God has got a fear. In other words, you step out of line, he's going to smuck you. Continue to grow in your understanding of the Lord. Because as you do, you will understand. The scripture we read this morning of the prayer of Jesus in chapter 17 is a great one. You will understand as Jesus prayed, God's not there to, to judge you. He is there to love you. And what that looks like and begins to feel but experience 
Fourthly, you will understand God's word. Holy Spirit transform you, and your God's word becomes rich to you. Often I find people don't want to read the Bible because they don't understand the Bible. So invite Holy Spirit to transform you. When and, and I've you know I'm not a young duck anymore. Uh, hopefully I'm not an old one either, but I'm not young. But I almost every time when I open up the Word in the morning, I don't just run rush in where angels fear to tread. I will open it on my lap. My my, you know I, I'm doing this for a while. Opening it on my lap, and then often whatever my demeanor will be, I just start welcome Holy Spirit. I need you to speak to my heart today. And these words will just bounce off of my minds elsewhere if I'm fretting about something or if I'm reading into it my own experience. Holy Spirit, help me. Help me because I won't understand him if the Spirit does not enable me. Help me, Holy Spirit. And then slowly begin to read whatever it is. If it's a devotional, if you go on, on version or whatever it might be, slowly, Holy Spirit, show me. Try that. Try that. If you're not getting something from the Word, then take some time before and open heart, open spirit, open your, your, your mind's eye. Holy Spirit, I want. And understand, He's not going to, you know, if you ask for good things, He's not going to give you a scorpion. Okay? He will give you good things if you ask with sincerity. Holy Spirit, I, I need to understand what you're saying here. And then you begin to go into that with a heart receptive. He wants you to know Him. Uh, again, the, uh, he wants you to understand God's word. Proverbs 1 says, Surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. He wants to. If you want the scriptures to come alive, invite Holy Spirit to bring them alive. Isaiah 11 says, The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. What does it look like? The spirit of wisdom. The spirit of understanding. The spirit of counsel. The spirit of power the spirit of knowledge, and of the fear of the Lord. Well, I need all of those things. The Spirit transforms me into allowing me to see those. Number five, Holy Spirit will help you when you pray. Evelyn Christen, Christensen, who died back in, I think it was 2011, she was a great prayer warrior, born in, I think, 1922. And Evelyn Christensen said this in one of her writings. She said this, and, and it's a great, you're going to have to listen to this because this is, got to get your head around this one. Ready? Here's what she said. It is awesome to realize that at the end of our lives, we will be the sum total of our responses to God's answers to our prayers. I'm going to do that again. You're going, huh? It is, an awesome, it is awesome to realize that at the end of our lives, we will be the sum total of our responses to God's prayers, to God's answers to our prayers, sorry, to God's answers to our prayers. For God has chosen to be limited in his next action by our response to his previous answer. The final outcome of our lives is decided by a lifelong series of responses to God's answers to our prayers. The way we respond to God, and then He in turn to us, actually determines the direction our lives take. Hmm. 
I believe in the sovereignty of God, but not at the stake of my free will. God just doesn't set things in motion and I just have to take it or leave it. He has chosen to partner with us. Why else would he say, and your will be done on earth as it is? And why would he say those things if we had no choice? We are partners. And so as God, as I call on him and as I line my life up to him in spirit, as I line my life up to him, he moves in my situation. And as I respond to that, sets in motion the next thing that takes place. Or if I respond negatively or quench him or resist him, then it won't happen. Then an alternative takes place. So our lives, again, our lives is the sum total of our responses to God's answers to our prayers. For he has chosen to be limited to his next action by our response to his previous. So people say, well, I don't experience God. How come I'm not seeing things? And Well, okay, then as he moves, respond and you will see him open greater things. You can see this in the parables where he gives a talent or he gives an ability. And he, he, it's a test. And as you respond to that, then a new opportunity opens up. And as you respond to that, another opportunity opens up. You see him navigating through those different areas of him in your life. What are we talking about? He will help you when you pray. He wants to. And this is why we're called to pray in the Spirit. Now, Ephesians 6, it says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And yes, that might include in part praying in the spiritual language. I enjoy doing that. But it's not limited to praying in the spiritual language. It says by praying in the Spirit is more than that. It means pray in the realm of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. Recognize our prayers are not just a bunch of words recited. Our prayers need to be birthed of His Spirit. So there's coming in. And have you been in the place of prayer where you've begun in, in the flesh? And that's okay. You've begun in a place maybe of praising Him. And I like to do that. I don't like to start with petition. I kind of find, I follow, I use a little acronym. I like acronyms. A-C-T-S, ACTS. That I start with adoration. I just begin to worship Him because I find that I don't know what to pray for really. And so I begin to worship Him and just Praise Him for who He is. And I use the Psalms to help me if I get stuck. And the Psalms has all kinds of things and attributes to, to praise Him. And then I move into, see, confession. But not, this, this is, as, he, as I worship Him, He begins to say, you know, you didn't treat Lori very good, right? Or you didn't do this. Or, or he, just, he just reveals something. He shines a light. And, and as His Word does that, I, oh, God. I, I know I need to do this better. God, forgive me. And then thanksgiving, God, thank you for all the blessings. Thank you for, and I begin to, what, what do I have to give thanks? And then S, supplicate. There's my petition. After I've gone through the rest, now, now I'm in a good place to know what to pray for. And then I supplicate. I bring my petition before him. Now I can bring it with spirit wisdom to ask of the Lord. He will help you when you pray. Number six, You'll become a new person. The transformation produced by God's Spirit is not outward cosmetic. He changes you from the inside out. Praise God. It's total. I mean, it starts in there and it comes out here. Ephesians chapter 4, it says, Put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Everything about you becomes fresh and new as the Spirit 
takes over. Become a new person. And lastly, Holy Spirit inspires you to worship. It isn't us who has the ability to touch the Father through worship. It's the Spirit who has the ability to touch the Father through worship. Philippians chapter 3. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God. How do we worship? By His Spirit. Who glory in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. Remember, worship isn't singing about the Lord and praying for Him to meet your needs. Worship is lifting your praise to the Lord in love and devotion and adoration. Jesus would say in John chapter 4, Jesus would say, God is Spirit and His worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. I worship him in spirit and in truth. The Holy Spirit inspires my worship. That's how he transforms us. So let me bring those seven things. Aren't they appealing? They are to me. Seven things. Here they are. How does the Holy Spirit invite us into the place of transformation? Number one, he will turn your desert into fruitfulness. Secondly, he will enable you to walk closely with the Father. He gives you a new birth, five senses. Thirdly, Holy Spirit helps you to know God is present. Begin to sense His presence. Fourthly, you will understand God's Word. It becomes rich and alive. It ministers deep within you, not just words that you don't understand. Next, five, it will help you when you pray with groanings that cannot be uttered. Something begins to happen that's not restricted to the English language, but it's something birthed out of Spirit When you pray, Holy Spirit helps you. Sixthly, he will transform you into a new person from the inside out. You'll feel it. There will be a sense. There will be an awareness. New eyes by which you experience your world. And he will inspire your worship. So that worship won't be grinding through, you know. When are we going to be done? But it will be deeper than that. It'll be deeper than that. He will inspire your worship as you worship him in spirit. And in truth, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you are welcome. You're welcome here. Would you just do, would you just close your eyes and would you just talk to him? Holy Spirit, right here, go ahead and just whisper it to him. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you. This is not weird. This is not spooky. This is the Spirit of the living God who gave life to me. The Spirit who rebirthed me, not of flesh, but of spirit, a new birth. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. You're welcome in my life. You're welcome in my heart. You're welcome in new dimensions of my spirit. Holy Spirit, renew my soul, renew my mind, transform me. Transform us, Lord. We hunger for you. Holy Spirit, come. We don't want to. We don't want to grieve you. We don't want to quench you with other things. We know that flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. So Holy Spirit, we grow in fellowship with you. We want to know you more. So reign in this place with mercy and grace. Open up the heavens in our hearts. Oh, that we would know you. Not just between our ears and our cognitive ability and knowledge. Although that's important. Holy Spirit, may we know you. Really know you. Understand you. And your wisdom and your 
in a, in a dimension of your glory that flesh will not understand. But in our spirit, we behold you. We behold you as our God. We worship you, Jesus, and we honor you this day. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.